Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. We hope you've enjoyed this sermon from our series, Wisdom for Life, a study on Proverbs. For more information about CBC, go to the website, cbcsavannah.com. Gracious Father, you are the God who promises to give wisdom generously if we ask for it. And so this morning, we pray that you would, by your grace, give us wisdom. Father, may we most clearly see your wisdom displayed in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Okay, you can have a seat. Uh, my name is David Cleland, by the way. I, I had a couple of people after the first service who came up and said, who are you? Uh, so my name is, is David Cleland. It's good, to, it's good to be here again. It's good to be able to open uh, the Word of God with you this morning. Let me start off with a scenario. Uh, so after the long 4th of July weekend, you're out walking on the beach today, and you find a bottle, and it's, it's got all kinds of curvy things and markings, and you pick it up, and you start to rub it, to clean it, and all of a sudden, out pops a genie, okay? And the genie says, I'm going to give you three wishes, okay? Now, if there really were genies, we know that there would undoubtedly be some kind of like genie council somewhere in the universe who would have decreed that you cannot wish for unlimited number of wishes, all right? So that is off the table. And don't say you've never thought about this. What would I wish for? I love the Geico commercial, by the way, that presents the genie as extremely literal. So the guy wishes for a million bucks, and all of a sudden he's surrounded by a bunch of deer with antlers in front of his house, all right? So think about it. What would you wish for? You could have anything in the world, in the book of Kings, First Kings, uh, in the Bible, we have recorded for us, actually, a time when God actually appeared to King Solomon and said, uh, I will give you anything you want. Okay? First Kings chapter 3 tells us that after King David, who was Solomon's father, had died, uh, Solomon traveled to a place called Gibeon to offer sacrifices. And that night in a dream, God appeared to Solomon and he said this, ask what you wish and I will give you. So God, uh, here's, what, here's what Solomon says. Solomon says, God, you walked with my father David, and he walked in faithfulness before you. You've kept your promise to him that his son would sit on the throne in Israel. And then he says this, I am but a child. I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this your great people? All right, Solomon can have anything he wants, and he asks for a discerning mind, understanding to be able to determine between right and wrong. And clearly, this is a prayer that honors God. Because God responds generously to Solomon. If you're, if you're uh, familiar at all with the story, the generosity of God is, is, is breathtaking. 
as God gives to Solomon not just a wise and discerning mind, but he promises to give him riches and honor that end up being beyond precedent in the history of the world. So again, I ask you, if you could ask for anything, what would it be? And would you even consider asking for wisdom? And so the question means, has to become for us, do we treasure wisdom? Solomon obviously treasured wisdom. He says in Proverbs 16, 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold, to get understanding than to be, uh, is to be chosen rather than silver. So this morning, I want to just try to kind of hold up for us why we would treasure wisdom. Why would we seek God's wisdom more than gold or silver? And I, I pray that if God graciously opens your eyes this morning, maybe for the first time ever, to the desirability of wisdom, then that you would, as a result, leave here and ask God to give you wisdom. And we're going to see that He wants to give you that wisdom generously. All right, so we are continuing on in our study of Proverbs. This morning, we've been working through various topics as we've been through the book. Several weeks ago, we talked about the fear of the Lord. That is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, Proverbs 9.10 says that. Uh, and then we've continued working through uh, things that Proverbs say it says about friendship, pride and humility, laziness and work, and anger. And throughout it all, we've tried to say that wisdom means skillful living, okay? God designed the world. He founded it. He decided how it was going to run. And we as his people are responsible to live as he told us to live. That is wisdom. Wisdom is not just about being smart. And what I want you to see this morning, I'm going to try to hold this up in front of you, is that wisdom is available. It's, it's out there. Wisdom wants to be heard. God's wisdom wants to be heard. But the problem is there's a competing wisdom out there as well. And the Bible refers that to that as the wisdom of the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul speaks of the wisdom of men versus God's wisdom. We're going to look at James chapter 3 in a little bit where James says there is wisdom that is from above and there is wisdom that is from below. And we're going to try to see how we distinguish between those two competing wisdoms. All the way back in the Garden of Eden, God said to Eve, you will eat from all the trees of the garden, but from this one tree, you may not eat. That's godly wisdom. That's wisdom that leads to life. And then Satan, in the form of the serpent, comes and introduces worldly wisdom for the first time in history, which says, has God really said that you shouldn't eat of that tree? So from the beginning of humanity, there has been these two competing wisdom out, wisdoms out there, okay? Now, let me just explain something to you at the outset, because I think this is really helpful for us as believers. Paul speaks about, in Romans chapter 1, this God-denying world system. It's made up of people who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Those are Paul's words there. Human beings are truth suppressors. Apart from God, we are professional wisdom deniers, okay? There is no neutral wisdom in this world. All the wisdom that is in this world either comes from that world system, which is a bunch of people who deny God, who get together and come up with what they think, or with God's wisdom, which comes to us 
from above. And the human heart is dependent. We were created to depend on God for wisdom. I, I love the, the movie The Hunt for Red October. I love that climactic scene at the end where Sean Connery is in the Red October and he's trying to get away from the Soviet captain and the Soviet captain launches that, that heat-seeking uh, torpedo. And so they're, they're trying to evade in the hunt, in the, in the hunt, in the, in the hunt for Red October. They're hunting for the Red October. So the Red October is trying to evade the Soviet torpedo, and, and Sean Connery does that great maneuver at the end, and, and the, the heat-seeking tornado uh, can't talk. torpedo turns around and starts to head towards the Soviet uh, submarine. Okay? And, and I think that's how our hearts are, because we were created to seek for dependence. And apart from sin, we naturally sought to depend on God's wisdom. But when sin entered in, it was like those, those wisdom-seeking hearts that we have suddenly like turned around and, and became focused on ourselves to be our own source of wisdom, and that's destructive. That's, that's literally destroying us. Okay, So, as we look at Proverbs this morning, we're going to see how Solomon can help us negotiate between these two competing types of wisdom. And he personifies them as two women. All right? So, first of all, I want us to see that lady wisdom makes herself known. Okay? We're going to see this from Proverbs chapter 8. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Proverbs chapter 8. I'm going to try to put some of the verses that we're going to be referring to this morning on the screen. Uh, but lady wisdom makes herself known. Proverbs 8, verses 1 through 3. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice on the heights beside the way? At the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates, in front of the town, the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. Okay, the picture that we have of wisdom in popular literature is a lie. Okay? You don't need to travel to Tibet to find wisdom, all right? You don't have to go sit under a tree uh, and talk to an old man with a long beard sitting there with his legs crossed. That is not where wisdom is found. Wisdom is not even found in colleges and universities, okay? Wisdom, let me say it again, is not about being smart. Lady Wisdom raises her voice to be heard. She's easy to hear, okay? She draws attention to herself as much as possible. If she can find the heights of the city, she's there. If, if there's no high places, she goes to the crossroads. She goes to the gates. Wherever there are people gathered, that's where wisdom wants to be heard. But the problem is, we shouldn't be naive because there's also this woman of folly. That, that Solomon prevent, presents in Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs 9, 13 through 15. The woman of folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Okay, so Solomon, you can see, presents these two competing voices, personified as women. There's a woman of folly and there is a woman of wisdom. Both of them want to guide your way. Both of them are calling to the naive. Both of them want to 
instruct you in how to live. They want to instruct your children in how to live. They, they want to take you down the path that they have chosen. And what we see clearly is that one is not easier to find than the other, which means this. If you don't have God's wisdom, it's not because you can't have it or because you're ignorant of it. It's because you don't want it. And that's, that's the first big point of application this morning. God's wisdom is available, but we in our sinful hearts don't want to hear it because we don't listen. Paul says in Romans 1, that same passage where he talks about the God-denying world system, he talks about the fact that we are without excuse. Human beings apart from God are, are without excuse because what is evident about God has been, has been made known to us. Uh, the psalmist in Psalm 19 has this wonderful statement, Psalm 19, one, where he says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens are screaming at human beings that God exists, that he made everything, that he made us. Okay, and, and so it's not whispering. Like It's not like you look, up, you look up in the sky and you see the beautiful stars of the creation and God exists. It's not like that at all. It's screaming at it. It's like there's two gigantic concert uh, speakers on either side of our head saying, I exist. God created this. God created you. And human beings are, are, are standing there holding their hands over their ears moaning and saying over and over, I don't believe, I don't believe, I don't believe, I don't believe. Okay? So that's the problem. Wisdom, God's wisdom is crying out. The heavens are declaring His glory. And human beings in sin are, are saying, I will not listen. So wisdom is available. You can find it. You can find God's wisdom if you want it. Lady Wisdom cries out. But I would even add this. Uh, Proverbs 1.23, Lady Wisdom says this. She says, turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. But because I called to you and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. Then they will call upon me and I will not answer. They will seek me diligently and they will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would accept they would not accept my counsel. They spurn my reproof. So we will eat the fruit of their own way. So they will eat the fruit of their own way and have their fill of their own devices. Don't take wisdom for granted. Even if you are a believer, if you are a person who has repented of worldly wisdom and turned to wisdom from above, Lady Wisdom says, don't, don't take her for granted. Continue looking that way. Because it's possible that we even as God's people would, would put our hands back over our ears and begin to refuse to listen to what God has to say. So, so wisdom is both available, but don't take her for granted. Keep listening. Learn to discern, okay? And so that leads us to our second point. Lady Wisdom makes every effort to be heard. Not only is she available, not only is she out there, but she wants to be heard. She wants to be heard by people like you and I. Proverbs 8, 4, and 5. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. Simple ones, learn prudence. Fools, learn sense. Lady Wisdom has no desire to locate herself only among the academics. 
Okay, we talked about this when we talked about the fear of the Lord. Remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, which means that the tenured professor at Harvard who does not believe in God, who does not fear God, does not have wisdom. Okay, but who is she calling to? Who is it that wisdom is calling to? Wisdom is calling to the naive, to, to the foolish, to the simple ones, to the ones who need to learn sense. Wisdom is calling to people like you and I. I am a person who is foolish because on Thursday, I went out on a boat with a couple of college guys. Not that that was the foolish thing, but we parked our boat and we walked away on an island and we came back and the boat was sitting on dry sand and we were stuck there and we didn't have food and sunscreen. And it was miserable, and it was a foolish decision. And there's some kind of irony in the fact that the guy who is tasked with speaking to you about wisdom this morning got stuck on a boat in an island on Thursday afternoon. But we all need it. We are all ignorant. We are all naive. So if you recognize that you are naive and foolish, if you see your need for God's wisdom, then Lady Wisdom is calling to you. But on the other hand, if you're a person who's got it all figured out, you're a person who considers yourself wise, you might be in trouble because you might not be able to hear Lady Wisdom when she cries out to you. This ought to remind you of something that Jesus said. Jesus said, uh, when he called Matthew the tax collector, remember? And then he, he invites all these sinners and tax collectors over to, to eat with him. And, and the Pharisees see this, and they say to the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came to call the righteous, not the righteous, but sinners. And then Paul, when he talks to the Corinthian Christians who were so enamored with the wisdom of the world, Paul says, consider your own calling, my brother. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. We know something that even Solomon, in his wisdom, didn't know. Because we live on this side of the cross. And we know that true wisdom is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ came to save sinners. He came to save the sick and the foolish and the weak. And the naive, he wants, God wants to take people like us who have recognized our foolishness and our weakness and to put his glory on display through us. And it's the same with wisdom. If we will recognize our wisdom, God will make us wise. Now, we need to recognize we don't know everything. This is the humbling part of asking for wisdom. Part of being wise is recognizing, I don't know everything. I've been studying the book of Job lately, and Job, in all of his suffering, is, is getting to this point where he's actually starting to suggest that maybe God doesn't know how to govern the universe that he has created. And, and God appears to Job after he's done talking with those three friends, and he says, where were you when I, I laid the foundation of the earth? Were you there when I, when I laid that foundation? Where are, where are you every morning when I turn the lights on and the sun comes up and the, and the dawn appears. Are, are you one who, who can call the lightning and have the lightning come to you and say, 
Where do you want us to go? And of course, the answer from Job is no. I wasn't there. And in all his great and terrible suffering, as he has wondered if God is capable of governing this universe that he has created, God comes to him and he says, he says to Job at one point, you need to dress like a man, which literally means in the Hebrew, you need to put on your, your big boy pants and you need to think about this right now, okay? And the, I mention all of this because Lady Wisdom says this in Proverbs 8. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there ever uh, was an earth. All right, so you know that Jesus says we need to, we need to give up our lives in order to save our lives. Wisdom is, is kind of saying the same thing. You know, you need to learn that you are not wise in order to be wise. I wasn't there at the beginning of creation. I, I wasn't there. My Father in heaven was there, and he established wisdom as the foundation of all that he was doing. And he has told me that I can ask for that wisdom. How foolish is it of me, who has been around for, for just a few decades, to say that I know better than he does? And you know what else? That wisdom that has been around since the beginning of creation, the wisdom upon which God founded all of the order of, of creation, it doesn't change. It never changes. It's always the same. And so those in our day who want to subject the wisdom of God to the wisdom of man, it's the height of foolishness. The height of foolishness for us to say, to test the validity of God. Of godly wisdom by the wisdom of man. The, wo the woman of folly, she's crying out too. She's also crying out to the simple. Proverbs 9, 16 through 17. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten is secret, is pleasant. So important for us to be able to identify the difference between the call of Lady Wisdom and the call of the woman of folly. The woman of folly says, come in and sin. She lures in secret. Young, young person, those things that have to be done in darkness, those, those are things that are possessed by the, the woman of folly. She suggests things that God has forbidden. And you can know this, the satanic, God-denying world system lies the lady of wisdom wants to give you life. The woman of folly wants to lead you to death. She wants to destroy your family, your relationships, your marriage, your life. She wants you to sit there and stare at your computer screen and squander everything that God has given you because you are believing you are going to find joy in something that is a lie. The application for this is very simple. As Christians, we need to train ourselves to listen out for God's wisdom. Our world is going to throw its wisdom at us constantly. We're going to leave here, all of us, and we're going to plug in our iPod, we're going to turn on the radio, we're going to see billboards, we're going to go watch TV, and the worldly wisdom is just going to be coming at us in, in waves. We need to learn to practice. Let me tell you something else, too. Decision-making. I know many of you are young people. Many of you are making big decisions. You want to know about God's will for your life. And, 
God's will for your life is certainly an application of seeking after wisdom. Who do I marry? Where should I go to school? Where, where should I work? And I think so many people think that finding God's will for their lives is a matter of finding a combination on a lock, you know? And if I don't get it just right, I'm not going to be able to open the door and find out exactly what God has for me. And we don't have time to unpack all that it means to, to make decisions according to the will of God this morning. But let me say this. If you have big decisions to make in your life, if you are trying to find the will of God, then seek wisdom. Seek God and seek His wisdom and trust the Holy Spirit to guide you through His Word and through His people. God, God doesn't give us a map for life. He doesn't say, go through that door, turn left, go down the street, turn right. That's not how God leads us. But what He does do is give us wisdom to face all of the different choices that we face in this life. As things happen, we look at godly wisdom and we see how we should respond and what we should do. So, if you're, if you're making decisions, does it cause you to sin? Is it something you can be thankful for? Does it enable you to love your brother? Does it harm your brother? And if the answer to those things is no, then, then go forward in God's wisdom and make the choices that God has put before you, honoring Him and, and living before Him. All right? Okay, let's move to the third point. The third point is this. Lady Wisdom distinguishes herself from the woman of folly. Okay? Not only is she out there, not only is she making herself clear, not only is she calling to the simple and the naive, but she does distinguish herself from the woman of folly. These are the things that, that it says about uh, Lady Wisdom. She speaks noble truths. She speaks truth. All the words out of her mouth are, are righteous, and there's nothing twisted or crooked in them. Proverbs 8, 34-36 says, Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gate, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Okay, so that's how the woman of wisdom distinguishes herself, as opposed to the woman of folly. She has wickedness and abomination on her lips pride and arrogance and the evil way. She says this in Proverbs 9, 17 and 18, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, and her guests are in the depths of the soul. How can you tell the difference between God's wisdom and the woman of folly? Because one, God's wisdom leads to life, and, and the woman of folly, she leads to death. Now, I want to get real practical here, okay? Because I believe that we can know what kind of wisdom we are listening in our lives. And I think that the Bible tells us that. I mentioned uh, James 3, 13 through 17 earlier. If you have your Bible, turn to James chapter 3. I want us to look carefully at what James says about wisdom. If not, I'm going to put some verses uh, up on the board for you here. Uh, but first of all, let's look at verse 13. So James says this. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Okay, so the first, the first thing that James does is throw out a rhetorical question. Who, who among us in here is wise? Okay, and of course, you know, like inherent is that in that is 
the guy who raises his hand is not wise. Okay, so, so James is saying, you know, who, who among you is wise? Go ahead and examine yourself to see if you have wisdom. All right? So let's see. How can we determine if we live according to wisdom or not? Look at verses 14 through 16. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false about the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every evil practice. I think this verse has huge implications for our relationships with, with each other, with God, and even how we think about ourselves, okay? Because this is what James is saying. Brother and sister, if you are living in bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, James is saying, don't, don't be a liar and call yourself wise. He's saying, you're not only a liar, but if you're, if you're living in bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, you are living according to wisdom that is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. And, and furthermore, where there is bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, there will be disorder in every evil thing. Chaos reigns. So this is one of those places where we can't get away with saying that we don't understand what the Scripture says. And I think this is a passage that needs to be applied to our lives. So think of it like this. Husband and wife, here is what this passage means. If you live in constant conflict with one another, then you are living according to worldly wisdom. You are allowing jealousy and selfish ambition, which are satanic, to reign in your relationship. Because where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there is disorder every single thing. Young person, teenager, elementary school student, if, if you are a person in your home who is causing conflict with your mom and dad and your brothers and sisters all the time, if, if, you're, if you're demanding your freedom and refusing to take responsibility, then James would say to you that the fruit of your relationship indicates that you are listening to worldly wisdom. If you're a person whose life is filled with inner turmoil and anxiety and you're grumpy all the time and you're never happy because you don't have what you want in terms of relationships or respect or health or money, brother and sister, I would say to you in love that you are listening to worldly wisdom. Because the world system, that great coming together of God-denying human beings, wants you to believe that that is normal. The world system wants you to believe that people everywhere live in conflict with each other and conflict with God and conflict within their own hearts, and that is normal. Because all marriages are unhappy, right? And, and all teenagers are living in rebellion, right? And most people just aren't happy with where God has put them, right? And if the answer to, is yes to those questions, if that's what you believe, then you are listening to the woman of folly. And let me offer you some much, much needed hope. Because the gospel offers peace. Peace with God, peace with yourself, and peace with others. What did Jesus say he came to bring? He came to bring peace. 
Look at James 3.17. Wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Brother and sister, when you repent of that worldly wisdom and turn to the wisdom of God, you will find peace. God's wisdom is peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, sincere. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, I can't live like that. Remember, the woman of wisdom is calling to you. She wants you to hear. It's not that you can't. It is that till now you haven't listened. And if, if I would just I want to encourage every person in this room this morning to take a look at your life and see what you're listening to. See who you're listening to. You can know. For many of you, I hope it's already obvious. I hope that the Holy Spirit is already convicting you in your hearts of the way that, that you have begun to listen. Or, or maybe you've always listened to wisdom that comes from the world rather than wisdom from above that leads to peace. I like to tell you a personal story. Uh, I grew up here in Savannah, probably like many of you. I went to a church where the gospel was preached, but it wasn't applied. I never heard passages like this where the gospel of peace could be applied to relationships. And so I grew up and I learned how to fight and argue with people according to worldly wisdom, right? What you do according to worldly wisdom is you hang on to selfish uh, ambition and, and bitter jealousy. And, and you fight to be right and you fight for vindication. And, and you don't really care what the consequences are as long as you get that vindication, okay? Well, and then I got married. And so, so what do I do? Like, like all of us, I bring that way of fighting, I bring that way of, of arguing into my marriage. And I married a woman who had been taught a different way. And, and the first couple of times when that tension is starting to rise and we're starting to fight, and all of a sudden she says, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I'm like, I haven't even finished telling you what you're supposed to be sorry for. What do you mean you're sorry? But that act of selflessness diffuses the tension. And it, and it brings the gospel to bear on a relationship. And it's God's wisdom saying, you know what, I'm going to love you more than I'm going to love being vindicated in this argument. And it leads to peace in relationship. One of the greatest passages in the Bible to me, as it pertains to relationships. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. That's God's wisdom 101 right there in how we live with one another. And if Christian people, if we all went out of here and applied Philippians 2, 3, and 4 to all of our relationships, we would truly be remarkable people. You know, the eyes of the world, the, the, the people who are adhere to worldly wisdom, they, they may still be off-put by that, but they'll at least say, you've got something very different than what I have. And I'm not suggesting that there's no more conflict, because we all still deal with the sin that's in our hearts. We all still, from time to time, decide to put our hands over our ears and refuse to hear wisdom that's calling out to us. But it is possible by God's grace and the Holy Spirit 
to apply that wisdom and find that, that the, the conflict that once led to, to weeks of fighting, to weeks of anxiety, to weeks of, of lack of peace can be diffused and even in, in joyful restoration. Brothers and sisters, does that not seem like wisdom that is more desirable than gold and silver? Do you have a little bit of a glimpse of why Solomon might have asked for wisdom when he could have asked for anything in the whole world? Wisdom, she's, she's easy to find. She wants the simple to hear, and she can be distinguished. The final thing I want you to know about wisdom this morning is that wisdom is not what you think. Wisdom is not what you think. Wisdom is what God thinks. Wisdom is not what I think. Wisdom is what God thinks. I've noticed this in my own heart, so I'll just go ahead and call myself out here, and you guys just sort of hear it and decide if you agree with me. But I, I, I find that a lot of times that I think to myself, because I am a Christian, I therefore think Christian. Just My thoughts are just Christian, no matter what. And that's a foolish assumption, because I need to expose everything I think to God's wisdom to find out if what I think is actually anywhere close to God's wisdom. It's not just false thinking, it's dangerous. Proverbs 14.12 is, is one of those like sticky note verses. We need to go right on a sticky note and put it on our window, window of our car or mirror when you're brushing your teeth. It says this, There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way Foolishness is not an intellectual problem. It's a spiritual problem. And our problem isn't that we can't know God, but it's that we won't. And, and the call of Lady Wisdom is to repentance. So here's the call today. The call today is to turn from worldly wisdom to godly wisdom. And let me locate that in the cross for you. 1 Corinthians 1.18, Paul says, The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Foolishness. A few verses later, Paul says, we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. I've been reading stuff out there, you know, about all the things that have been happening lately. And, you know, you, you, every now and then I, I wander into the comments section of some article, and it's, it's bad. You know, the things that are said in those places are bad. But one of the things you notice is that Christianity is just fine in those, in those forums. And, and, and I want to establish that we all know there are bad examples of faith out there. There are people who proclaim faith and then go out and act like the wisdom of the world. Okay. But why is it? Why do those who are perishing consider the cross to be such foolishness? Why is that? Why does it make them so angry? And I, and I would suggest this. I think it's because the cross rubs against our soul. Because it demands that we recognize not only that we've rebelled against the wisdom of God, but that we are dependent on Him to rescue us from the mess that we've made because of our rebellion. Is there anything 
that strike your soul more offensively than being told that you are wrong and that you are dependent. And yet that's what the cross reveals to us. It reveals that we have sinned against God and that that God that we have sinned against, that we don't want to listen to, is the only one who has made a way for us to be saved from that sin. The cross reminds me that I'm not only wrong, but I am dependent. Kind of somewhat ironic that here on this weekend when we celebrate Independence Day, we gather to worship the next morning to, 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 to celebrate the fact that we are in fact dependent. That's, that's why we worship Christ. There's nothing more repulsive to the human spirit apart from God than that. So the cross, the wisdom of God draws the ire of sinful humanity because it's the ultimate symbol of human inadequacy. And it requires our, uh, uh, us to bow the knee to Christ. Proverbs 14.12 There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. It ought to set before us a task to discover what is God's wisdom because I don't want to be on that path that seems right to me. So, as we turn to close today, wisdom is available. She's crying out. She wants to be heard. She's easily discernible. How do you get wisdom? I, I have great news for you. God has told us how we get wisdom. Really cool promise in James chapter 1. I love this promise. Uh, James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. Brother and sister, if you have sat here this morning, and by my very inadequate explanation of these two women, the woman of folly and the woman of wisdom, and you have, by the Spirit of God, been able to identify that you would like to know God's wisdom, then you can leave here today, or you can sit there and ask right now to God, your Father, who loves to give you good gifts, and He will give generously and without reproach. It's a wonderful promise. And, 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 and my challenge to you is to take it seriously, that God wants to give you wisdom. But, but check out the next part of the verse, just to be clear. But let Him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. What James means by that here is this. Wisdom is there for the taking, but you better be all in. Okay? There's no hybrid wisdom. God doesn't really care for you to come before him and say, I would like some of your wisdom because I want to continue to mix it with worldly wisdom and I'm going to try to live in this sort of hybrid wisdom. Don't expect God to answer that prayer. Okay? But if you're all in, if you in faith say to God, I want your wisdom, I need your wisdom, then ask. He'll give generously. If you've recognized your need for wisdom this morning, I would encourage you, go home. Ask for it. Gather yourself together as a family. Ask for it together as a family. Look into your heart. Analyze your life. Say, pray, pray with the psalmist. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. 
Show me, Lord, how I am living according to worldly wisdom so that I can repent of that and I can ask for godly wisdom to replace it. Go home and start applying Philippians 2, 3, and 4 that nothing would be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Then finally, maybe this morning you've understood the wisdom of the cross for the first time. Up until now, this, this idea of a suffering Savior has seemed foolish to you, but maybe you've seen the bankruptcy of your own thinking for the first time and your inability to do anything about it. And so I would say to you, Christ came to save you from human wisdom. Bow the knee to Him. Recognize that that way that seems right to you is only a way to destruction. Agree with Him that you have sinned. Place your faith in Him and recognize that He is the King. So, all the way back to the beginning. You have a father, not a genie. Genies aren't real. But we have a God in heaven who is our father, and he is real. And he wants to give you good things. And he has said, if you ask for wisdom, which is more valuable than gold or silver, I will give it to you generously and without reproach, which means he won't be like, what took you so long? He longs to answer your prayer. So will you go out today, ask for it? Let's pray. Gracious God, we know that you are a gracious God. Your word tells us that you are a gracious God. Your word tells us that we are your children. Our, our Lord Jesus Christ taught us to pray, our Father who is in heaven. So we would ask this morning, as your word commands, that you would give us wisdom. Help us to be a wise church to live in peace and not to think that we are sentenced to the chaos and disorder that comes from living according to worldly wisdom. Answer our prayer this morning, we pray. Jesus, amen.